Thank you to the worship team for leading us in worship this morning. What a fantastic time just to come into God's presence and allow his spirit to speak into our spirits. And that's my prayer this morning as I come, that God's spirit would connect with your spirit and challenge you again with a renewed interest in reading his word and making it a part of your life. My name's Don, and I'm the uh, director of Canadian ministry for the Canadian Bible Society. And so it's my privilege just to travel right across Canada, calling people to renewed interest in God's word and a passion for him. Uh, I live in Ottawa, so it's the other side of the province. And uh, my wife was saying to me yesterday, she said, where are you going tomorrow? I said, I'm going all the way down to Leamington. And, but it's great to be down in this end of the province this morning and just uh, fellowshipping with you and worshiping with you. Um, we have two kids at home, two teenagers, and so I'm kind of right immersed in the teenage world and, and all of the exciting things that that brings. And uh, we're just having a great time with our kids as they're trying to make life decisions. And so you can pray for us as we speak into their lives some wisdom as they make some of those tough decisions about life. One of the interesting things that I'd like to share with you this morning, and I'm so glad that I'm here during your time of mission emphasis, because I was born on the mission field. I was born in a remote place in in southern Africa, in Zululand, actually. And uh, if I was to put up a picture, one of the pictures I love to show is the picture of my mom flying home from the hospital with me when I was two days old in a little Cessna airplane. And so I blame my mom for my love for travel. (laughs) But uh, then my parents went on to be missionaries in Swaziland, and so I grew up in Swaziland, and then eventually they emigrated to Canada, and so that's why we we find ourselves here. Let me ask this question this morning, maybe a a dangerous question, and maybe if you're sitting next to your spouse, you might want to kind of like give them one of these. But uh, how many of you here this morning, how many of you love to wait? Anybody really love to wait? We've got a few people, okay, a few honest people, a few people that, that love to wait. If truth be told, most of us are impatient people, right? Most of us are impatient. And, you know, anytime we have to wait, and even just a short amount of time, we're like, come on, get going. You know, if I, if I was to take, uh, this past week I was in Toronto, and I was stuck in Toronto traffic, and I'm to come on, come on, let's get going, you know. But uh, there was two things that recently happened in, in our family that kind of illustrated waiting, the first was, and I've always, I already mentioned that we have two teenagers at home, the first was is our internet connection went down. <laughs> and for those of you with teenagers, or if you are a teenager, you know, disaster. The world is going to end. How am I going to get through the next hour? <laughs> and so the internet went down at noon on Monday. By supper time. The internet had not come back on. And I mean, we had tried all the secrets, you know, reset the router, powered on and off, all that stuff. Nothing. We're done. My youngest comes to me that evening. He says, Dad, if this goes on much longer, I'm going to be forced to read a book. (laughs) Good for you, son. Keep the internet off. All day Tuesday, nothing. I mean, they're getting the jitters by this time, right? All day Wednesday, nothing. All day Thursday, nothing. Well, it's getting serious, right? (laughs) Finally, on Friday supper time, my oldest comes to us. And I mean, they're just so sad. My oldest comes to us and he says, Dad, 
We might even have to play a family game tonight. (laughs) On Saturday, my wife goes into the living room and she said, the internet's back. (laughs) There was much rejoicing in our house. Finally, the wait was over. You kind of put that experience, though, against another experience I also had that same week. I had to go to the doctor's office. And of course, what do you think about when you go to the doctor's office? Needles? <laughs> Needles? <laughs> when I go to the doctor's office, I always think about how long am I going to have to wait? And so my appointment was at 9 o'clock, and so I showed up at, nine, at uh, 8.59 for my 9 o'clock appointment. And the moment I sat down in the waiting room, The nurse came back and she said, Mr. Miller, come on in. Now, I didn't get too excited because at most doctor's office, you go from one waiting room to another waiting room, right? It's almost like they trick you. You think you're going to be on time. And I went to the secondary waiting room. The moment I sat down in the waiting room, the doctor came out and he said, Mr. Miller, come on in. I was like, nine o'clock. I couldn't believe it. After the appointment, I phoned my wife, and I wasn't excited about the news that the doctor gave me. I was more excited that my appointment was on time. (laughs) Most of us hate to wait. We become impatient. We don't like the experience of waiting. I want to share some numbers with you this morning that would really challenge us today about people in our world who are waiting who are perhaps going through that experience of, of trying to figure out how much longer do I have to wait. Consider the first statistic. More than 4,400 languages of our world still wait for the Holy Scriptures today. Now, in my mind, that's, that's unacceptable. How is it possible, with all of the modern technology and all of the modern convenience in our world today, that there are more than 4,400 language groups that are still waiting not even for a complete Bible, but for just one portion of the Bible to be translated into what we call at the Bible Society, the language of the heart. 4,400 languages still wait. Consider the second statistic. Over a billion people in our world cannot read, and yet the, bi- the audio Bible is available in only 3% of the world's languages. And so with all of those people who have a struggle with reading... They're still waiting for the audio scriptures to be available to them so that the word can come to life. Consider the third statistic. Every five seconds, someone in our world goes blind, and yet the complete Braille Bible is available in only 35 languages. Here in Canada, we have a a beautiful relationship in terms of providing Bibles to to, uh, Braille Bibles to blind people. And we're thankful for that relationship But the statistics are staggering, only available in 35 languages of our world. And then it's this last statistic that really gets me. More than a billion people today are living on less than a dollar a day. This past summer, I had the opportunity to travel in Zambia and Africa. And we would drive up and down the roads in Zambia, and you would see people who were struggling to get by, not for the week or not for the day, but even for the moment. They were living on less than a dollar a day. And if you're living on less than a dollar a day, there is no way that you can afford to buy a Bible 
and to be able to engage with it. And so at the Bible Society, we have this opportunity in front of us. How do we help to end the waiting? How do we help to address that very specific issue that's out there in terms of providing Bibles for people and allowing them to engage with God's holy scripture? You know, there's a rich legacy in the scriptures from the very beginning of people engaging with God's word. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, we have a significant passage of scripture where Moses is passing off the mantle of leadership to Joshua. And so whenever that transitional time happens, it's kind of a time of sort of like, let's pay attention to what's being said. Let's listen carefully to the instructions that are being given. Let's not miss this. And so Moses says to Joshua these words. So Moses wrote down the law and gave it to the Levitical priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and to all the elders of Israel. Then Moses commanded them, at the end of every seven years in the year for canceling debts during the festival of tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, you shall read this law before them in their hearing. Assemble the people, the men, the women, the children, and the foreigners residing in your towns so they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of this law. Their children who do not know the law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. And so from the very beginning there was this thought that it's important for the law of the Lord to be read to people. And it's important for people to gather on that occasion and to be influenced by the reading of the holy law. In fact, I, I love this passage of scripture because it says every seven years, you're And so I can even imagine, you know, maybe there, there was a child who, who was just born at the beginning and then finally on the seventh year, they're going to listen to the law and it's going to be part of their experience. And it's going to influence them as to how they live their life and how they pursue God. And so from the very beginning, we have this thought of all the people coming together, listening to the word of God, being influenced by it, and being excited about allowing that law then to change their life. We move quickly to the New Testament. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we have a little bit of a different experience. No longer is the command kind of given to all people. Here's a kind of more of a, an intimate relationship. It's the Apostle Paul as he's encouraging his young protege, Timothy. And he says to Timothy these words, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's think for a second about the legacy of God's word. Reading and understanding scripture was the foundational spiritual activity 
of the ancient Jewish and New Testament Christian communities. It was a part of who they were. It defined them. They lived out of the context of the law. They lived out of the context of God's word for them. It was normative. It was all they knew. What was true for the ancient Israelites and for the early church remains valid today. God's word is essential for the church to thrive and for individual believers to grow in their faith. Let me ask you this question. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that it's essential for your experience? If you're to grow in your faith, then you connect and are changed by God's word. At the Bible Society, we are convinced that the word of God changes hearts and lives. And if your life is to be changed, and if the life of your children is to be changed, then they connect with God's word. At the Canadian Bible Society, we have this wonderful logo called the Seed Sower. And as you look closely at our logo, you'll see that the Seed Sower is dropping four seeds. And those four seeds actually represent the fourfold mandate that God has called us to. And it's through this fourfold mandate that we are calling and inviting people to be changed by God's word. The first priority that's a part of that mandate is what we call publication. Simply what publication is all about, it's about looking for opportunities to publish the scripture and get it into the hands of people who do not yet have it. Let's consider this Bible for a second. This is a new resource for us developed in the last three and a half years. It's called the Key to Freedom Bible. About three and a half years ago, I had a prison chaplain in Ottawa came in and sat in my office, and, and he, I asked him this question. I said, Carl, I said, how many Bibles can you give away in your prison every week? And Carl looked across the table to me that day, and he said, I can give away 55 Bibles every week in my prison. And unfortunately, on that afternoon, I had to look at Carl, and I had to say to Carl, I cannot help you. I do not have the resources available to give you 55 Bibles. But that was the beginning of an opportunity to publish a new scripture called the Key to Freedom Bible. And so what we did is we actually developed small groups of people who are presently in jail. And we asked them, what would it look like if we were to publish a Bible for you? And so prisoners actually chose the name of this Bible, the Key to Freedom Bible, the content in the inside contains testimonies of people who are in jail today and their lives have been changed by the scriptures. Just before Chuck Colson passed away, I had the opportunity to present him a key to freedom Bible because in the last two and a half years, we've been able to distribute more than 25,000 copies of the key to freedom Bible directly into Canadian prisons. And so God has opened some incredible doors for us. Now, kind of at this point, I hope you're kind of thinking to yourself, is it actually making a difference? Are lives and hearts being touched by the word of God? Well, let me read to you Crystal's story 
And here's a testimony I received in my office on April the 15th of this year, and it's Crystal's story about the Key to Freedom Bible. Let's be encouraged by it. Crystal writing to us from jail. My name is Crystal Pravo, and I'm currently incarcerated at the Miramichi Women's Correctional Center. I am 29 years old and have five beautiful children. I grew up in a world of abuse, drugs, alcohol, and crime. Pain and fear were my only companions, and feeling worthless was a normal emotion for me. Because of this type of lifestyle was the only one I knew, I taught my children some of this as well. My youngest child is five months old, and my oldest is eight years old. I had no idea what I was doing to my children. I had heard about God and Jesus, but figured it was a fairy tale used to make lives seem worthwhile. My whole life, I had always felt like there was supposed to be more to life than hurt, pain, and suffering. But every time I felt an ounce of hope, it was crushed and gone as fast as it had come. I've struggled with addictions of every kind since I was 11 years old. I was always told by doctors of every sort that in order to change, you have to want it for yourself. Wrong. I tried to change for myself for almost three years now, but no matter what I do or how hard I try, I keep falling. Finally, right before Christmas, after my son was born, my kids were taken and placed in foster homes for six months. I gave up. My addiction to crack cocaine was just too strong. I had lost everything at this point, and within a month had gone so far downhill, I didn't even know what month it was anymore. I can honestly say that at that point in my life, I was hoping to die. I got into crime like never before. I was doing things to feed my addiction that I never thought I would do. Next thing I know, I'm here in jail. I don't remember much about the first few weeks of being here, but I know that somehow, somewhere, in those first few weeks of January, I had the Key to Freedom Bible. There are no words to describe what happened to me and what is still happening within me. Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, decided it was time to heal me. Me, of all people, when I had nothing left and was broken, when nobody wanted anything to do with me because I was hopeless, the Lord wrapped himself around me, showed me a love I didn't even know existed, and then he gave me peace. He brought me to life like never before and blesses me in every way that he can. He's worked miracles around me, for me, through me, and within me. The only book I read over and over again is my Bible, my key to freedom. In the last three months of my stay here at the jail, I have seen women and staff from all walks of life turn to God because of the help from the key to freedom Bible. Someone told me not too long ago that if a person's life was falling apart, it usually meant that if a person's Bible was falling apart, it usually meant that their life wasn't. My Bible isn't falling apart yet, but it sure does have some wear and tear. I just wanted to thank all of you who participated in whatever steps necessary to make the Key to Freedom Bible. Isn't that an incredible story? A story of God's grace at work in a person's life. And Crystal goes on and she just kind of finishes off the letter and she says, can you send a letter to, to a Bible to my mom and to my ex 
boyfriend and to my kids and my life is changed. And so that's what it's about as we do publication, looking for opportunities to speak into the lives of people so that their hearts would be changed. Our second priority is what we call the priority of translation. And uh, the Canadian Bible Society are actually world leaders when it comes to Bible translation. The interesting statistic that I'd like to share with you this morning is that 99% of all the Bible translators in the world, so regardless of who they're working for, whether it's Wycliffe Bible translators, SIL Bible translators, regardless of who they're working for, they actually use the software that's supported out of the Kitchener Translation Office. This is a great Canadian story that we should be celebrating. And out of that office, they're able to resource all of the Bible translators in the world in helping them to get their task done. The other significant thing that's happening out of the Bible Translation Office is they're developing something called the Digital Bible Library. And the Digital Bible Library, in the simplest way to describe it, is it takes all of the world's translations that have been completed and it puts them into digital form so that they're able to draw them into mobile devices. The most popular mobile device right now for smartphones and for digital technology is a, a free Bible app called Uversion. Is anybody here using Uversion this morning? Okay, a few of you are using Uversion. Here's the neat thing about Uversion. Every now and then as you're using Uversion, there's, a, there's kind of a screen that pops up and it says, these languages now available. Every time that happens, it actually represents the work of the Canadian Bible Society in integrating foreign languages into Uversion. I was excited this past week because we were able to actually put into Uversion three First Nation languages got inputted into Uversion this week. Uh, Eastern Arctic and Nuktatuk, Dog Rib, and uh, Micmac. We were able to integrate them into Uversion this week. And so once again, a great news story that's happening on the translation front, and we're so happy to be able to do that. Here's the reality of our world today. Most people in our world, sadly enough, even some of those ones who are living on less than a dollar a day, they have a phone. This past um, summer when I was in Zambia, uh, we would be in remote places of Zambia, no electricity, no water, nothing around. People are walking down the streets with their cell phone. You ask yourself the question, how do they charge their cell phone? You know what they do? They go down to the local corner store. And at the corner store, there's a great big charging post. And they plug their phone in there and they stand there for a while. And then they get on with life. You know what that is exciting though? Because that says that very soon we are going to be in the day when every tribe and every nation will have the opportunity to read and have their life changed by God's word. A third priority for us is what we call distribution. And simply what distribution does is looks for opportunity to be distributors of God's word. This past summer, we were able to participate in the Canada Summer Games in Sherbrooke, Quebec. And we were able to distribute 10,000 copies of the Gospel of John. Here's the interesting thing about this particular Gospel of John. If you flip it over, it's French on the other side. And so we just thank God for 10,000 opportunities to be giving out his word to the people that came to the Canada Summer Games. And then what we also do is we look for opportunities to partner with organizations 
to be distributors of God's word. And so here's some examples of some New Testaments that we've been able to create. We actually gave out 750 of these New Testaments this past weekend in Toronto. And then here's kind of a little bit of an edgy one. It says, caution the seed may be contagious to you and others. And so we look for opportunities to be distributors of the word of God. And thankfully, God continues to open up doors where his word can go forward. And then one last priority that I want to tell you about is this priority. It's called engagement. Here's the challenge. Most people in Canada already have a Bible. And if we were to take a little survey here this morning, you know, we could have a contest. I'd say, how many of you have two Bibles at home? A lot of hands go up. How many of you have five Bibles at home? A lot of hands go up. Some of you have ten Bibles at home. I guarantee you in this room we could probably find somebody, probably other than the pastor, that might have 15 Bibles at home. The challenge here in Canada is not necessarily, do you have a Bible? The challenge here in Canada is, do you read your Bible? I would be happy this morning if you forgot everything I've just told you about the Canadian Bible Society and you simply thought of me as the person who came to your church and said, read your Bible. Read your Bible. If you believe that the Bible changes hearts and lives, the only way for that to happen is for you to engage with God's scripture. A couple of things that we're doing to invite people into that engagement with the scripture. One, we have a resource called Taste and See. It's a free digital download. You go to the Canadian Bible Society website, you'll see free downloads. You can download this little book. This little book actually invites people just to simply taste and see that it's possible to be excited about God's word. The other free download is uh, Inspired Justice 365-Day Devotional on Poverty and Justice Issues to show you that the Bible speaks in significant ways about those issues. And as we understand those issues, we can see how it continue, can, can change your life and it can change the lives of others. End the waiting. We can end the waiting here in Canada. We can end the waiting around the world. And so it's my privilege today to be with you from the Canadian Bible Society and to challenge you as well to help end the waiting for people. There are three things I'd like to ask you to do. First of all, I'd like you to ask you to pray. Pray that the waiting would end. 4,400 languages still waiting. Pray that something would happen with that challenge. I was sharing with the first service. I said, you know what? We have a little video at the Bible Society that shows a Bible box of Bibles actually being delivered for the very first time in a remote tribe in Papua New Guinea. The mission plane comes in. It lands on a runway. The pilot gets out of that plane. He walks down the stairs, and there at the bottom of the stairs is standing the elder of the tribe. The elder of the tribe takes that box of Bibles for the very first time being delivered to that tribe, and this is what the elder says. He says, let's pray. And then you know what he prays in his prayer? Thank you that we have our Bibles today, but I pray for those who don't. What a beautiful picture of engaging in prayer for others. The second thing that I'd ask you to do is volunteer. 
perhaps volunteer in this church to encourage others to engage in, in the Word of God. We have a program called the Congregational Rep Program that just resources people to be volunteers for the Canadian Bible Society and to make sure that Bibles get out into the hands of people. And then the third thing that I would ask you to do is perhaps some of you would like to invest in others. We have a club called the Bible a Month Club. For $12 a month, you invest Bibles like the prisoners. For $12 a month, you place a Bible so that people can get connected to God's holy word. The Bible changes hearts and lives. I pray that it has changed your heart and your life, and I pray that you would have a passion to see that happen in the lives of others. May God bless you as you continue to believe that his word is sharp, quick, and powerful, changing the lives of all people. God bless you.